It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Good morning. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. We are a company that provides information about nutrition that is life-changing, nutritional weight and wellness. And I'm Cara Carper, a licensed nutritionist. I see clients at our Wyzetta office. We have several offices. And I also teach classes. And you know, nothing makes me happier than when I have a client or a class member say, I haven't felt this good in years. Because really, I mean, that's what this is all about. That's our goal is to help people lead healthier and more satisfying lives. And I'm very happy to be here today with my friend and colleague, Kate Crosby. She's also a nutrition counselor and educator. And Kate sees clients at our Lakeville office and also teaches many classes. Um, I think both at Lakeville and other locations around the Twin Cities. So welcome, Kate. Well, good morning, Cara. It's great to be here with you. It's been a long time since we've done a show. It has. And what many it's about of our time. listeners don't know is Cara is very pregnant, and I haven't <laughs> seen her since we've gotten pregnant, so she looks wonderful. It's pretty obvious now, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. I'm so excited for you. Thank though. you. We've got a great topic today, though. We're going to talk about soy. Soy, that's that health food, super health food that so many have thought to be wonderful, maybe reduce your cholesterol or help uh, dissipate those hot flashes. We're going to talk about the latest information about soy. Um, We're going to tell you why we as nutritionists have some concerns about soy. Well, Kate, you know what? I think back when I was growing up, I had a dairy allergy for many, many years. And so I was completely dairy-free which means I wasn't drinking milk, I wasn't eating cheese mm. or yogurt or any of that stuff, mm. or ice cream. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> so, But, you know, they had all the dairy substitutes, and especially dairy substitutes for milk. And I just remember when I was going to college and having breakfast, every day here was my breakfast. Okay, ready for this? Okay, <laughs> let's hear it. Cereal with vanilla soy milk. I know. And, you know, friends and classmates who would see me eating this way labeled me as this kind of health nut. Oh, yeah. And it was some kind of whole grain cereal. I don't remember the brand. It was vanilla soy milk. I even put a banana in. And I think I even was putting brown sugar on it to sweeten it up a bit because I thought brown sugar (laughs) was healthier than white sugar. So what do you think about all that? Well, I'm sure some of our listeners out there might be wondering, well, what wasn't so healthy about that breakfast? They might be thinking, what's the problem? Yeah. But, you know, a lot of you who've been listening for a long time or who've taken our classes, it would sure make sense to you that that breakfast would turn into about 25 teaspoons of sugar. Cara was eating a high sugar Mm -hmm. breakfast, and that's even before she added the brown sugar. That's really way too many carbohydrates for our bodies to handle. And I bet, Cara, you weren't very focused for your classes after eating that breakfast. No, and I'm sure I never thought about, you know, the connection between too of many sugars not. and carbohydrates and memory and focus and blood no. sugar. I mean, yeah. 
now we've all been enlightened, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so what do you eat now? Well, now I'm, you know, that I've been nutritionally set straight, uh-huh. <laughs> I know that a balanced approach is a much better way to start the day. So I, I go back and forth between either eggs with vegetables yeah. and sometimes a starch like a sweet potato. Yeah. And, you know, the eggs and vegetables are cooked in butter. Yum. Or sometimes I do one of our smoothies. Yeah. You know, we have a great smoothie recipe that's on our website. And yeah. it's just a much more balanced way yeah. to get a breakfast in. You know, I did I did something similar with my children when they were young. I fed them uh, soy infant formula for a period of time because I thought I, they were dairy sensitive. And I thought I was giving them a good alternative. Um, and later, we'll be talking about some of our concerns about soy infant formula. But Tara... Why did you think that vanilla soy milk was so healthy? Well, good question. I just assumed that it was a healthy dairy substitute. Soy has really been touted as this good source of, you know, a complete veg- vegetable protein. Yeah. Um, also touted as a food to reduce cholesterol and hot flashes. Mm-hmm. And the FDA actually does recommend eating 25 grams of soy, which is about <laughs> a cup of tofu, which is a lot. Or three Daily. cups of soy milk. <laughs> or three cups of soy milk. That's a real lot. That's a lot. It's a lot of carbs. And that would be to achieve the heart health benefits. But keep in mind that in 2005, the American Heart Association reviewed many studies on soy and declared the claim by the FDA to be doubtful. Hmm. And currently, I think the American Heart Association doesn't recommend the use of soy at all. That's correct. So this panel that was studying all those studies also found that soy's claim to reduce hot flashes in postmenopausal women was unfounded. And the reason that, you know, it was originally believed that soy could reduce hot flashes is because soy products do contain chemicals, which are called phytoestrogens. That just means plant estrogens. And what those plant estrogens do is they mimic the estrogen in our bodies. Um, But more information on that, when Reuters reviewed 19 studies on using soy for hot flashes, they found the evidence all inconclusive. Mm -hmm. You know, hormones really are such a complex issue, and it's easy to think that you could just have a a magic elixir, like, oh, drink a little soy milk or eat your tofu to dissipate all those hot flashes. There really is never a quick fix like that. Um, as you and I know, we see clients all the time with hot flashes. You, you, you know, the most effective way to deal with them is through good nutrition. Mm-hmm. Balance those, that blood sugar. Sometimes we have to tweak it a little bit more by giving specific supplements. But you have to start with food. You do. There's not a magic bullet, especially no. for something like hormones and hot flashes. Um, I mean, we have clients that come in and have a two-hour appointment just because of hot flashes and night sweats. We have a menopause class Mm -hmm. that's dedicated to a lot of these symptoms. And, -hmm. you know, it's not just information we're giving in five minutes. No. It's pretty thorough. (laughs) It's it's a lot of information. It is. It's a complex subject, as you say. Well, Kate, let's go over foods that contain soy because I think it's really easy to have soy in the diet and not even realize oh, that we're absolutely. consuming it. You know, this information is really important for people who are allergic to soy, um, as soy is one of the most common allergens. 
And people with soy allergies know firsthand how difficult it is to find those foods that don't contain soy. Um, but we know that eating real foods gives you a really good chance of avoiding soy because soy is found in processed foods, the processed foods that so many of us eat. Mm -hmm. So some of the really obvious sources of soy are things like soy milk, tofu, soy protein powder. And soy is also found in the highly processed meat and dairy substitutes. You know, things like the imitation burgers, Boca burgers would be one, or Morning mm -hmm. Star. Um, the imitation hot dogs, the imitation dairy-free cheese. And many, actually most of the protein bars out on the market do contain soy mm -hmm. protein versus like a whey protein, which would be higher quality. Yeah. So, you know, for example, Cliff or Luna are you're made getting, up of soy proteins. You're getting more soy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm grabbing something that's on the table where Cara are. Uh-oh, the studio is <laughs> uh -oh. busted. <laughs> yes, non-dairy creamer. And the second item on the ingredient list is partially hydrogenated soybean oil. Oh, boy. So there you go, folks. And that's a trans fat as well. Yes, <laughs> yes. Then there are also processed foods that have soy in that long list of ingredients, like canned, boxed, or frozen soups. Maybe frozen dinners, um, cereals. Lots of these processed foods have soybean oil or soybean isolate, hydrolyzed soybean protein. Sometimes it's soy lecithin that's mm -hmm. added. Soy is, gosh, it's really in a lot of foods, isn't it? And yeah. many of those that you just mentioned are hidden sources that you would have to investigate a label You'd have to, you have to, to find everything. those. Yeah, yeah. According to the National Institutes of Health, soybeans, usually in the form of soybean oil, accounts for, catch this, 10% of the average person's total calories in the United States. Oh, my gosh. That's huge. Soybean oil is considered a polyunsaturated vegetable oil. And like other vegetable oils, it goes rancid really quickly during that processing. Uh, when it's processed, it's heated and it makes it... Uh, it's a fragile oil, and so it, it can cause damage to it. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of oils are fragile, mm -hmm. and the commercial version of them, you just assume that they are heated yes. and therefore damaged. And excess consumption of these polyunsaturated oils has been linked to all kinds of different diseases and health conditions. I'm just going to name some. Hmm. And these are obviously pretty serious things. Yeah. Cardiovascular disease. Really? An increased risk of cancer, yep. liver and lung damage, reduced immune function, digestive problems, weight gain and slower metabolism, and there's many more. I mean, just kind of touching on the surface there of things linked to an excess of polyunsaturated oils like soybean oil. oil. Got it. So, hmm. Kate, it's actually time for our first break. Before we do that, I'm wondering... If anyone out there has noticed the increased talk about gluten-free diets, you know, the increase in gluten-free choices at restaurants, even the New York Times recently wrote an article about three excellent gluten-free bakeries from different cities in the U.S. And many clients might be wondering, is this gluten-free thing just another fad diet? So when we get back, Kate and I will discuss our points of view about gluten-free products and choices. And if you have any questions for us today, please give us a call at the studio, 651-641-1071.
If you're like me, you try to eat right, but the definition of healthy eating seems like a moving target. Should I eat low-carb or low-fat? Do eggs and butter raise my cholesterol? Is coffee good after all? Don't rely on sound bites and infomercials for something as important as your health. You deserve recommendations based on biochemistry. Nutritional Weight and Wellness is offering My Talk 1071 listeners a complimentary e-newsletter that is chock full of nutrition information and tips. The Weight and Wellness Way newsletter provides sound information and practical strategies from a nutritionist's perspective. Learn a natural approach to healthy eating based on real whole foods you buy at the grocery store. All this and best of all, it's free. To subscribe to the complimentary Weight and Wellness Way e-newsletter, go to weightandwellness.com and enter your email address. Then watch your inbox every month for nutrition news and special offers that will help you look and feel your best. For information on other services at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, call 651-699-3438. I'm Kate Crosby, nutrition educator and counselor, and I'm here with Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist. Before our break, Cara mentioned the heightened publicity about gluten-free diets. Gluten, by the way, is a protein that's found in grains, grains like wheat, rye, barley, yeah, that means beer, and oats. You know, clients often ask me if going gluten-free is just another fad. Well, many of us are really sensitive to gluten, and some of us even have celiac disease, and so we can't tolerate any gluten. But why all the talk about gluten-free diets? First of all, you have to remember that our wheat today contains about 50% more gluten than it did 50 years ago. So we're being bombarded by lots of gluten in our food. Eating a low-fat diet, like many of us have done or still do, usually means We're eating more carbohydrates, and that usually means more grains like these gluten-containing grains. But more importantly, if we simply substitute our gluten-filled diet with gluten-free products, our health may still not improve. Exactly, Kate. Eating in balance, which means eating a protein, a fat, healthy fat, and a healthy carbohydrate, creates overall health. But that's not what most of us are doing. You know, Mm. when we go gluten-free, we basically are trading one processed carbohydrate for another, like taking a a cereal that would contain gluten and then substituting it with a gluten-free cereal. Mm -hmm. So not much changes when you do that. No. And what we notice as nutritionists is that most of these gluten-free products, they're, they're really full of sugar or they turn to a lot of, turn to sugar in our bodies. So although it's great to have all these gluten-free choices, they're still processed carbs. Mm -hmm. So searching for that gluten-free cereal product to replace your favorite processed cereal really won't get you any closer to eating real foods. But, for example, you could enjoy a sweet potato with your eggs and spinach for breakfast instead of gluten-free cereal and juice. And you'll probably have more energy and a clear mind throughout the day. And, you know, if someone's goal is to reduce inflammation or lose weight and they're going gluten-free to Mm. obtain these things, you know, I think that's not the right way to go about it because the body is still going to be getting a lot of inflammation Mm -hmm. and the carbohydrates are going to be stored as fat, whether they're gluten-containing or gluten-free. Now, I'm not saying that it's bad to go gluten-free, and there's, well, we do entire radio shows on that, but 
it's the going to the gluten-free processed carbs that we want to avoid. Yeah, <laughs> got to be careful of that. Yeah. Yeah. So before break, I had mentioned the dangers of consuming excess polyunsaturated oils when we look at health. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like to talk for a minute about genetically modified foods. Mm-hmm. Well, not foods, but the in soy. particular soy. Yeah. 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 93% of the soy Tara, is genetically. 93%. 93%. Basically, you just assume it's genetically modified unless it's organic. Organic, yeah. yeah. Uh, genetically modifying a food is a process where a, a crop is altered a bit by a virus or a bacteria so that it can acquire a a, a, a better feature, like be become resistant to a weed killer, for instance. And these genetically modified foods have only been with us for about a decade. We've only used them for about a decade. So we really don't know their long-term effect on our health. Uh, one of the concerns, obviously, is an increase in allergies from these genetically modified foods. Another big concern is that genetically modified foods are contributing to antibiotic resistance. Which is a huge problem. You so know. you get strep, you've been eating tons of genetically modified foods, and possibly the, the antibiotic will not work. Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty frightening. They just mm-hmm. have not been around that long. I, I feel like it's sort of an experiment. It is. It is. We don't know. Let's get back to the part about... Earlier, we touched on that soy mm. was a complete protein. I think this is really important for people to listen to. Um, yeah. Because there seems to be a controversy out there about whether soy is or is not a complete protein. Well, maybe we should just define what complete protein is. It just means uh, if you have a complete protein, it's a protein that contains all essential amino acids. So these essential amino acids are essential to the body. That just means our body can't produce them. So we absolutely need to get them from outside sources, most likely your food. Okay, so now that we know the definition of a complete protein, does soy contain Mm. all of the essential amino acids? Well, it's a little tricky here, Cara. The short (laughs) answer is yes, soy technically does contain all those essential amino acids, but it's really low in one, methionine. Soy is a plant food, and like all plant protein sources, they're usually low in methionine. And when a food is deficient in a certain amino acid like this, it's not used very well by your body to do the many jobs that protein needs to do in our body. So things like making muscles, bones, or hair. So eating a lot of soy, you might not produce a lot of antibodies, another uh, important um, product that, that protein makes for your body. Because it's critical for immune function, is Absolutely. what you're saying, right? Or protein makes those neurotransmitters, my favorite little brain chemicals, <laughs> that make us feel happy or calm or motivated. And animal proteins, examples would be eggs, meat, fish, or dairy, they contain the essential amino acids in balance, though. So those foods are used more efficiently mm-hmm. in the body for all of the things that you just mentioned yep. that protein, complete protein is required for. So that's really one of the reasons it's more difficult for vegans to get their intake of amino acids. And we have, you know, we do have vegetarian and especially vegan clients who might be losing their hair, have a lot of depression or problems focusing 
Um, and the bottom line is that they're just not getting enough complete protein Absolutely. in balance. Yep. It's, it's a trick for mm-hmm. them. You know, there's more about soy that causes us to be cautious about eating too much of it. But first, I have to introduce a new word to some people. What is that some word? Some of us may be very familiar with it. <laughs> it is goitrogen. Why don't you explain that, Cara? Okay. Well, soy contains plant chemicals that are goitrogenic. So what that means is that they depress thyroid function. Mm. Goitrogens make it hard for the body to make thyroid hormones. And if anyone's interested in learning more about thyroid, because this show is not obviously on thyroid today, we're going to touch on it for a minute. Yeah. But we had a wonderful radio show on, let's say it was May 14th. It was nutritional support for your thyroid. And if anyone's interested in listening, you know, you can go to our website, weightandwellness.com, click on radio show, listen to a past show. We're on iTunes. So that is a, that would be a great show to listen to if you suffer from a thyroid condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually estimated that 10 million Americans have this common condition that would be hypothyroid or mm-hmm. low thyroid function. Mm-hmm. It's really becoming so common to have this hypothyroid condition. So what does that mean? How would you know if you might have low thyroid? Well, low thyroid can cause fatigue or weight gain. You might feel really cold all the time. Uh, You may suffer from depression. Low thyroid may cause a little foggy thinking or constipation. And, And sometimes we even see hair loss. The thyroid gland, remember, regulates our metabolism, mm-hmm. and that means our energy. It means our energy, and like you said, if people are wanting to lose weight and they're stuck, it can inhibit that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure there's listeners out there that have been diagnosed with hypothyroidism and have also heard that it's best to avoid soy products. And so just to let you know, you know, that's why, because soy is goitrogenic. Um, and there's that's some other, <laughs> what were you going to say, Kate? That's it. I mean, that is really important for those of us who have th- thyroid issues. It is. Yeah. And I, f- <laughs> I always forget. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found some interesting studies that I just want to touch on in regards to this. So one study found that children with autoimmune thyroid disease are more likely to have been fed soy-based infant formula. Sorry, kids. That's I know. So and we ta- we'll talk about that a little bit. Oh, you're, t- you're sorry kids. to your kids. <laughs> um, here's another study. A Japanese study found that soy consumption can suppress thyroid function and cause goiters, which is enlarged thyroid, which is basically low thyroid function. And this is especially in elderly subjects. And then here's another one on infant-fed soy formula. Sorry, Kate. (laughs) Um, Researchers found that infants who were given soy formula had a prolonged increase in their TSH, thyroid-stimulating hormone levels, Mm-hmm. compared to infants fed non-soy form- formula. So again, mm-hmm. that's another indication of low, low thyroid, thyroid function. The body's trying to get it so. to make some thyroid. Well, Cara, you know, um, there's some other really interesting things to, to note about soy. A little history on soy. Okay. Soy is a crop. wasn't used for food initially, but... It was used as a soil enricher, green manure. So, yep, Asians started growing soy to make their soil so rich 
that it could grow really healthy, healthy spinach or broccoli or rice. Um, so I really wasn't used as a food until Asians figured out how to remove what they considered were these toxins. Oh, my gosh. They fermented the bean so that it was more digestible. Isn't that interesting? Soy was not originally used as a food. No, not at all. <laughs> Green manure and other things yeah. we'll talk about. Kate, it is time for our second break. And when we come back, we are going to give you some snack ideas, especially for when you're on the go. This is one of the most common questions that we yep. get from class members, from clients. We want to make sure you have choices of balanced snacks. And don't forget to give us a call with your questions today at 651-641-1071. Today we're talking about soy, and we would love to hear from you, our listeners. So give us a call with any questions you've got today at 651-641-1071. Before break, Cara mentioned we'd like to give our listeners some ideas for quick, easy snacks, especially snacks on the go. So here are a few ideas. I really liked deviled eggs and a clementine. That's balanced. Mm -hmm. Protein from the egg, mayonnaise is the good fat, and a clementine is a good carbohydrate. Easy, easy. Easy. You know, another one that I often do is uh, maybe I'll take a half of a leftover chicken patty from my last night's dinner. Now, remember, you know, we have a recipe for these chicken patties on our website. If you haven't gone to our website and looked at our recipes, you're in for a treat. There's some wonderful, wonderful, well-balanced recipes there, and chicken patties is one of them. It's made up of ground chicken, which is the protein, brown rice, and some vegetables, which are the carbohydrates, and olives for the fat. So all you have to do is grab that chicken patty, and you're good to go. Another one might be a beef stick with some celery and peanut butter. Kids might like that. And Kate, I mean, especially that one is so easy. Beef yep. stick, celery, peanut butter. There you go. Not too messy. No. Can handle it. Very portable. Eating balanced snacks has really been a lifesaver for me. And if I don't eat every, I'd say, well, now I'm now, pregnant. So I just keep eating. But <laughs> I don't ever stop. But normally I try to eat every three hours. And if I don't, I mean, I lose focus, I become weak, fatigued, mm -hmm. crabby, yep. you know, all those fun things. Me so too. even if we have like back-to-back -back clients, sometimes, you know, we'll have protein shakes in our office yep. to drink just quickly between clients. Um, snacks are really important, especially for me to keep blood sugar balanced oh, and bet. moods balanced. So I don't know how much time we have here because I wrote down like five different snacks Ooh, that I one. eat, but I'll just give a couple here. Um, okay, this one's really easy. Hard-boiled egg with an apple and some nuts. Very easy. Or, you know, sometimes what I'll do with the egg is I'll just take a hard-boiled egg and instead of making deviled eggs, yep. I'll just mash it up, 
put like a tablespoon of mayo in there, maybe some salt and pepper, and I dip vegetables in it. Oh, that's nummy. Like cut up cucumbers or cut up peppers. Yes. And I kind of use the egg salad as a dip. Great idea. And, you know, for listeners that are not dairy sensitive, another option would be by taking a full fat plain yogurt and just taking a little bit of whey protein powder. I like a chocolate flavored, yep. like half of a scoop, stir it in. Mm-hmm. So it kind of sweetens it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Put some blueberries on there mm. and some nuts. Perfect. It's almost like a sundae. Absolutely. That sounds great, Cara. <laughs> wow. So those are some good quick snack tips. And um, I guess we had a caller that is not on the line, but had a question about, you know, you have they. I think their question was, I'm lactose intolerant. Yep. That's why I'm having soy. And I'm assuming they want to know maybe another option. Yeah. There's some good alternatives. There's great alternatives. No, I mean, great ones. Yeah. one that I like to do even for our smoothie on our website mm-hmm. is instead of the yogurt, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll use unsweetened almond milk. Yep. Or another one I like is the unsweetened coconut milk. Yes, perfect. You can either find it in cans where it's a little fattier and thicker, or you can even find it in a, you know, it looks like a milk carton. Right, and, and it's, it's like refrigerated. Milk. It looks just like milk. It's, it yeah. doesn't have a strong taste of coconut at all. Kate, I see that we do have several callers here, and Uh-oh. I am going <laughs> to take one, and it's, I think it's a timely question here. Hi, Ruth. Welcome to the show. Do you have a question about coconut milk? Hi. Hi there. Thanks for calling uh, today. I think you answered my question. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> I drink coconut milk creamer in my coffee. I just have a little bit, like a half a cup of coffee every morning. Plus, I have been drinking the vanilla-flavored coconut milk as a substitute for milk. Okay. And I used to drink soy milk as well. Um, I just find that that just is so much better on my digestive system than the soy, soy the soy milk mm-hmm. yes no thank you for your comment i think that's that's good for people to know what other alternatives are out there besides dairy and soy do you have a difficult time could you ever use heavy cream well i used to many years ago but um because the only way i can drink coffee is with cream mm-hmm. and so then i tried the soy French vanilla flavored for years, and then I and I listen to your program by the way every Saturday. I love it. Thank you so much. For oh, thanks, Ruth. <laughs> Glad but, to do um, it. Dar mentioned at one point to start using the unrefined coconut oil in cooking, and I started using that, and then I discovered the the coconut milk as well as the creamer. I know it's. It's not quite as good for you as the unsweetened, but that just has been a great substitute for me. Good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate you just kind of you are so reassuring our listeners that that's a good substitute. Thank you so <laughs> Have much. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. Kate, I'm going to keep going with the calls here. All right. Who do we Good have morning, next? Brad. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm pretty good. Do you have a question about soy, it looks like, and an allergy or a potential allergy? Yeah, I'm wondering if, um, how would I find out if I'm allergic to soy? Well, do you have, I'm assuming you have some symptoms, if you're thinking this? Um, Yeah, I I have uh, psoriasis and uh, um, 
some uh, sinus congestion. Okay. And do you drink a lot of soy or have a lot of soy in your diet right now? Um, not a ton, no. Okay. I, I used to, though. Allergies, I mean, they can be tricky. Um, I mean, oftentimes people have food sensitivities and not a true allergy. So getting tested for allergies, like a blood test, for example, might not be the best indication of what's going on. Um, I mean, some people consider the gold standard for figuring out a food sensitivity is an elimination diet. So I don't know if that's something that you've tried, you know, just giving up the foods that you think could be a problem for, I would say, three to four weeks minimum. And then bringing them back in full force and tracking your symptoms. Is that something that you've tried with soy? Not, no, <clears throat> not specifically with soy. Um, okay. I was just wondering if there's any kind of test out there. You know, yeah. I was looking for the quick fix. Well, no, I know. <laughs> well, I, I would recommend, you know, if you're willing to give it the three to four weeks trying that. There is a company called Intero Labs, and I believe the website is interolab.com. Mm-hmm. But you could just Google Intero Lab. It's E-N-T-E-R-O Lab. And, you know, they claim to be have about 98 to 99% efficacy on their test results and i know they test for gluten dairy soy and egg proteins Mm -hmm. okay so that is certainly something that you could try i think some insurance companies will cover it but i would look into that next brad okay okay thanks you're welcome thanks for your call good morning marie you're on the air do you have a question for us today yes i've been listening to your program for years we love it um, wanted to have, ask a question about mayonnaise because every time I try to find a mayonnaise that doesn't have soybean oil in it, I, I struggle. So, you know, when we're talking about the deviled eggs or that type of thing, um, I'm just wondering what you recommend. Great question, Marie. Well, we have a, a, a brand that we particularly like. It's Hain Safflower Mayonnaise. Um, it's made with an unrefined safflower oil. So um, it's a very healthy oil, and there's no soy in it, and it's a very simple recipe, um, and it tastes great. And so you make it, or you can purchase it? You can purchase that. Um, Most uh, food co-ops are going to have it. Um, Whole Foods is going to have it. Um, I don't know about Lund's or... Byerly's or Kowalski's. I recently saw a a small version at my Byerly's, not the big container, but the small one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I know I've looked at Lake Winds, and it seems like... They will have it. Pardon? They will have it. Okay, because I thought I read all the labels of all the different mayonnaise ones on the shelf, and they all have some soybean in them, and Mm. I know we're supposed to get away from soy, but... Hain, H-A-I-N. Okay, thank you so much. Good luck, Thanks, Marie. It's actually time to take our last break. And um, I first want to just give some research that I came across that I thought was really interesting. This isn't necessarily related to soy, but I had to just share it. Oh, good. (laughs) So this is um, Harvard researchers found no association between eating unprocessed red meat and developing heart disease and diabetes. And this was a Huge. It wasn't a study. It was actually a meta-analysis of combining 20 studies. Hmm. And those 20 studies involved 1.2 million individuals. Wow. Isn't that interesting, Kate? I just had so, to share that with people. 
un, so unprocessed. Say it again, Cara. Okay. Harvard researchers found no association between eating unprocessed red meat. Like a hamburger. Like beef and lamb uh-huh. were two that were listed. And eating these foods and developing a risk of heart oh. disease or diabetes. So go out and have your burger. So have your burger. <laughs> right. <laughs> and when we come back from break, Kate is going to tell you all about our summer specials. It's a wonderful two-for-one deal on many of our classes. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Kate Crosby, nutrition educator and counselor. I work in our Lakeville office, and I'm here today with Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist. Cara works in Wyzetta, out of our Wyzetta office. And we've been talking about soy. But before we continue our discussion, I want to let our listeners know about some specials we have this summer. You and a friend can sign up for a class for the price of one. Okay? That's amazing. You'll only pay $25 for both of you. Could be your mother, could be your sister, maybe your uh, aunt or your neighbor. Really, you can't beat that deal. $25 for both of you? And these are, you know, really good classes. So uh, we these classes are starting this week. But on July 5th, we've got one, uh, Nutritional Solutions for Osteoporosis in North Oaks and Wyzetta. And then on Wednesday, July 6th, we've got another one, Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods in Lakeville. And the next day, Thursday, Nutritional Solutions for Osteoporosis in Lakeville. And also on Thursday, July 7th, Avoiding the Diabetes Epidemic with Real Food is going to be taught in North Oaks. All of these classes start at 6.30, and you can call our office, 651-699-3438, or I think you can sign up online as well. Our website is weightandwellness.com. We would love to see you in those classes. Great what deal, a deal, everybody. Yep. I mean, that is, that's a steal. So yep. I would have take advantage of that. Um, I guess we had a caller, one that, again, did not stay in the line. This question was about rice milk hmm. as a substitute, you know, in place of dairy or dairy. soy. Okay. Because I think I had mentioned unsweetened almond milk, and we talked about coconut milk. Right. Um, you know, rice milk is higher in sugar and carbohydrates. Mm. So just I would just say be careful about the content of carbohydrates and sugar. And Mm -hmm. I always look for with any dairy substitute like almond milk or rice milk. I look for the unsweetened. I do. Not the vanilla. Right. You know, vanilla and they can get pretty high in sugar. It's high in sugar. Yeah. But just keep in mind, rice milk is typically it's higher glycemic and higher carbohydrate in general than like an almond or coconut milk. Right. So you won't get any reduction in inflammation or. Exactly. Your blood sugar could be whacked out by that. So so back, you know, like 20 minutes ago, we were talking <laughs> about history of soy. And when we look at how Asians used soy to season and enrich their meals, it's really important to understand how they used soy in their diets. Traditionally, soy was used as a condiment. You know, soy sauce, miso in soup, or very small amounts of tempeh eaten with rice and vegetables. And Asian cultures still use soy very sparingly. Mm -hmm. And the other processed soy products, like soy milk, 
soy protein powders and imitation soy foods like the hot dogs and cheeses and burgers. Those are much more of a westernized form of soy, Kate. You know, when I uh, went to Korea, uh, where our daughter was born, I noticed exactly that. We, we ate very little soy. It was not consumed a lot. You know, I you would receive a miso soup before your dinner, for instance, and it would have maybe a tablespoon of finely cubed tofu in it. And, you know, there'd be a little soy sauce on certain meats or, or vegetables that you were served. But I was never served soy milk or a, or a soy, soy burger. burger. Right. I mean, that's kind of an America, Americanized or westernized yes. version of soy. And all the traditional soy foods that we had just mentioned, like soy sauce, miso, and tempeh, those are also all fermented. And so the processed soys, like the tofu, the protein powders, veggie burgers, those are not fermented. So this alone can cause problems when we're talking about digestion and mm-hmm. absorption. Yeah, soy has what's are what are called anti-nutrients, Cara. That doesn't sound very good. Anti <laughs> no, no, against no. nutrients. <laughs> <Yeah>. Taking <laughs> them away. So one of the anti-nutrients is a something called a trypsin inhibitor. Trypsin is just an enzyme that helps us digest protein. So really simply, soy, like all legumes, can cause those digestive issues like gas and bloating because you you're it's inhibiting your enzyme that helps you digest it. And, you know, the phytic acid in soy can make it more difficult to absorb minerals, minerals that we need like zinc, calcium, magnesium. And did you know that zinc and magnesium are two of the minerals that we as Americans are most deficient in already? You know, 65 to 75 percent of us. You know, the way the Asians eat small amounts of those fermented soy doesn't cause a lot of those digestive issues or that lack of mineral absorption because of that fermentation, like you were saying, Cara. Mm-hmm. But most of the soy that we Americans eat is the processed, non-fermented kind, more likely to cause issues. Yes. You know, I do want to let callers know, I apologize, we're not going to get to all of you. I'm going to take one more here and then, because we only have a couple of minutes left. Thank you so much for waiting. Is this Joe? Hi, Joe, are you there? Yes. Thank Hello? you. Thanks. Yeah, sorry about the wait. Do you have a question for us today? Yes, uh, my question is um, I don't hear you guys talking about uh, cooking with uh, olive oil. I, I cook with uh, olive oil a lot, and I wonder if that's healthy. Hmm. Olive oil is wonderful. Yes, it's um, it reduces inflammation. It's a healthy, unprocessed oil. You know, there's... There's different qualities of olive oil. The highest quality is going to be organic, extra virgin, cold-pressed. Okay. Olive oil is wonderful. You don't want to heat it to too high of a temperature, though. It's more for sautéing. Okay. Does that answer your question, Joe? Yes, that is answer my question. Okay, great. great. Thank you so much for calling. Um, Kate, I just want to tell Luann, I think you're still on the line. I apologize. We're not going to have time to take your call, but I understand you had a question on mayonnaise. And I think you're wondering if Hain is gluten-free. Now, Kate, mayonnaise... I would would assume it is. There's no reason. Yeah. I don't have the label in front of me, but I can't imagine. I mean, it's just expeller, pressed canola, an egg. An egg and a little vinegar and salt. So, Luann, sorry we can't get to your call, but... 
it should be gluten free. <laughs> so, okay, Kate, um, we just have like a minute left here. And I think, you know, one thing that's important, we, we want to emphasize that how soy was traditionally used is very different than how we're using it today. Yes. And it's estimated that Asians consume 10 to 30 milligrams of isoflavins from soy per day. In the U.S., some people are getting as much as 80 to 100 milligrams. Oh, wow. That's from the soy milk, soy nuts, protein shakes, bars, and cereal, and all the enriched foods. Hmm. That's a huge difference. It is. And, you know, there's a, a wonderful book called The Whole Soy Story, and it suggests that thyroid toxic effects of soy are often seen when people are consuming 30 milligrams or more per day. So that would be us. That Americans. would be us, <laughs> not how it was traditionally used. So, so. thank you, everybody, for listening. for listening. We really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.